All right, all right. Welcome back to the Blockument, crypto education through everyday conversations. Welcome, My, welcome. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> My name is Nate Talbot. I'm the executive director of Detroit Blockchain Center. And to my right is the magnificent, I even wrote it down, oh, magnificent. It's in the notes, folks. <laughs> it's in the notes. <laughs> I am Ashley Rose. I am your everyday girl. I'm a mother, an online reseller, and I am just on a journey to figure out what the heck is going on in this uh, Bitcoin crypto space. All in the space. Nice. Mm -hmm. Today we are talking about what are tokenomics, the economy of blockchains, because you were so eager to learn all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, everybody, I hear people talking like tokenomics this, tokenomics that, or blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, literally, I don't know what you're saying to me. This is a different language. Yeah. Well, we're going <laughs> to uh, try to translate today. But first, let's see where we are in the block height. Oh, Yes. That's why I have my phone out. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, we are at block height 788,645. This block was won by Via BTC. Um, the total subsidies and fees that they won are 7.961 Bitcoin, which equates to 230,587 USD. Um, the size of this block is 1.37. Uh, megabytes, megs, mm -hmm. um, and the total number of transactions in that block were 2,626 transactions. Nice. Yes. There's um, a lot of, um, there's a lot of new, more fees getting driven into the chain these days. Yeah, I was going to say, that number kind of went up by a lot. <laughs> Yep, uh, the fees are pretty high, comparatively speaking, for historic Bitcoin prices right now. I think right now the average fee is, I don't even have to guess, let's take a look. Um, the average fee is someplace around $7, $8 for a high priority um, transaction, which is fairly high. There's a lot of... Uh, alternate use cases Bitcoin is getting used for these days, like inscriptions and stamps and all these other uh, NFT-esque things people are doing. Yeah. So it's the big debate around this block height right now, which is, uh, is this really a permissionless censorship resistant network where, you know, as long as you're not breaking the rules, you can do what you want to do? Or are people spamming the network and it's this garbage that we need to find a way to stop? That's the debate, and I'm not answering any of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because today, like we said, we're talking about what are tokenomics, yes. the economy of blockchains. So uh, lead us off. Ash, what are tokenomics? What does that even mean? The economy of blockchains. No. <laughs> it is the economy of blockchains. Yeah, I just, um, I'm looking for a deeper answer, though. Like, And that's what everyone always says to me. It's the economy of blockchains. And I'm like, okay, but um, it has the word token in it so now i'm confused um a lot of times when people are doing like investing in things in the space and one of their whole diyor do your own research um you'll hear the influencer sell them like oh what are the tokenomics right yeah well you do investing right here when, and there when somebody tells you what are the tokenomics what action do you take do you just sort of like glare off into the distance like i don't know what you're talking about or do you try to do does it mean anything to you um i mean it means something to me but i i'm not sure exactly what it is i mean i i will usually turn around and be like can you can you explain this to me <laughs> uh -huh. and then 
don't really do that work myself. I let someone else tell me, so that's why I'm here to All right. figure out what's going on. Oh, well, let's not buck the trend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, tokenomics. Um, it's some people will tell you it's the economy of blockchains, which is is an accurate description. It's like how do the economics work? Um, other people, and I sort of lean a little bit more into this camp, which is tokenomics doesn't exist. There's economics. And what you're really talking about is what are the economics of blockchains? Economics isn't changed just because you throw a blockchain into the space, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to use the term tokenomics, um, you know, maybe some definitions help. Mm -hmm. And one of those definitions would be if you're going to say tokenomics, my definition of that is just regular economics, but how does it apply to a... Um, how does it apply to a system without a central authority? Mm -hmm. Most economics throughout history always had some kind of central authority. You have banks or governments or whatever institution, right, that would yeah. run it. In a, in a corporate world, the, the, the board is the economic sort of driving force, right? Um, and it's really easy to, it's easier to make those kind of decisions around economics, whether you're talking about like base supply and demand stuff or more advanced um, figuring out fair market prices and, you know, uh, valuations and whatnot. So is this where, um, like, market cap and, like, daily volume, is that where that comes in? Or is that kind of, like, just surface yeah. level? No, no, I mean, I think it's sort of surface level. That's, like, after you figured out the economics, those are would be possible indicators of how your economic design Because that's kind of, when, when you asked me that, I, like, didn't think it through mm -hmm. I guess the best <laughs> but that's kind of, but now that's my answer that's kind of what I think of when someone's like oh here's a tokenomics I, I don't know that's why I think of that right so there's two approaches right if you are an end user the investor type or whatever that's exactly where you should be looking you should be looking at all right what are the economics of this and you know a lot of this does not some of it's going to pertain particularly to crypto projects but this is again any business you want to do you sort of have to, as a investor, um, you're going to look at the surface level stuff, the market cap, you know, pricing histories, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then you work backwards from there to see, all right, is this authentic? Is that market cap real? Is it really representative of the value, the actual value? That's the price of the company, right? A market cap. Mm -hmm. But does it does it equal the value of the company? And that's how you'd make like an investment decision there. You would say, like, all right, no, this doesn't equal the value. It's really undervalued. That's a good strong buy signal. Mm -hmm. Or no, no, that's really overvalued. That's a very strong sell yeah. signal, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you have to you have to go deeper than that and you gotta work your way all the way back. And as a company or individual starting a business or a developer or anybody working on any kind of project, you gotta go in reverse. You have to figure out what are the rules I'm going to set my um, business or infrastructure from that will drive good end value, things like market cap and whatnot. So tokenomics is just economics pertaining to tokens, yeah, blockchain-type <laughs> systems. And even broader than bro blockchain-based systems, I would say tokenomics is how do you do um, how do you do economics without a central authority? That's the challenge of any kind of blockchain or crypto-based. So it's like decentralized economics. 
Yes, but I try to also avoid the decentralized <laughs> word without the central authority. Mm, there okay. is nobody to tell you this is how it's going to work, right? You have to come to some, <laughs> you got to come to a consensus. It's okay. like a pure democracy. Okay. We all sitting here, we have to agree this is what it's going to do. Um, so we got that. Uh, I think there's a couple other base definitions like what is a token? Um, a lot of pe times people use coin and token yeah. interchangeably. We sort of covered this. And as a, uh, before I get too deep into it, uh, this is like a 201. It's arguably a 301 <laughs> type oh, wow. topic. Um, but we're going to take deep. it down. Yeah, we're going to try to keep it at a 201 <laughs> level. But you should go back and check out like the what is money and money versus finance and do your own research episodes to get a really strong base understanding and some core definitions that might pop up here. Um, but as a quick um, pre-101, so token versus coin, right? Coin, when you think about like Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, any, any coin that represents base level utility on a chain, like a L1 chain, a layer one chain, go check out the layer one, layer two <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, those are coins, right? When you're when we have to talk strict definitions. Tokens are assets you build on top of a layer one, right? So Ethereum is the most popular one. You have your ERC-20 tokens. Those are all tokens. Those sort of do local economics. Ethereum is the driver of the main economic platform, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what a token. Um, you're gonna hear a lot about inflation, deflation, right? Inflation is just when the supply goes up Deflation is when the supply dwindles down um, and trends to zero, right? Um, and I'll throw on there, there's also tally missions. Tally missions is when you have like a deflation type setup, but it never trends to zero. It trends near zero and then sort of flats out. So Bitcoin, 21 million cap, right? There'll never be more than 21 million Bitcoin, mm -hmm. trends right to zero. Mm. Um, Ethereum is inflationary by issuance okay. we'll get into some more it's a little bit more detail than that it's inflation by issuance though which means the supply there is no supply capital always issue new tokens right okay. and then you have something like monero which has is deflationary but has a tail so it's going to trend towards zero and when it hits a certain level it'll just keep issuing that same known supply from that point forward oh, okay right um, so those are the three main things. And then last thing you should be aware of before getting is very basic game theory, right? Uh, we talked about game theory a little before. Do you remember anything about it? Um, it's like your strategy for doing, for doing something. <laughs> ah, that's pretty it. It's a strategy <laughs> for doing something. Yeah. How do you align, how do you align that, right? Um, in most crypto projects, you only, you have two approaches. They're Game theory is its own full economic study, um, but very small parts out of that. Bitcoin uses a game theory design called um, um, competitive game theory, right? I don't trust anybody. I'm out for my own selfish needs. This is why you run your own node. You don't trust, you verify. Um, and you assume everybody's cheating, and that way you can't get cheated, really. Right? It doesn't really matter what another party does because I'm not depending on that party for my own node. Right. Versus something like a proof-of-stake system, 
um, is more competitive, uh, cooperative game theory, right? Mm -hmm. That game theory is, well, I'm gonna assume most participants are good actors, right? Most people want what's best for the net network. If somebody cheats, we'll punish them. And that's why you have a stake. You mm -hmm. put in a stake, right? Mm -hmm. You're putting up some kind of collateral, usually the native token or coin. You'll put that in, and if you're a good actor, you'll receive incentives. If you're a bad actor and you get caught, mm -hmm. then you uh, get punished and your stake gets slashed. They'll take some or all of your stake, right? Um, so in both systems, you're incentivized to act in best of the community. Mm -hmm. um, how well either one does is debatable, which is why you have multiple consensus mechanisms, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's the general of that. Uh, any questions about any of that before we dig deeper? No, surprisingly. All right. <laughs> Somebody's going really, really good on their well, educational I, I, journey. I do think that it's interesting that inflation and defla deflation um, are like something about the um, supply, which is interesting because mm -hmm. I feel like nowadays we don't think about it in that way. We think of it as like um, value go up, value go down. Or more specifically, probably prices go up, prices go down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a very important thing when you're talking about tokenomics, even in economics, is um, when I talk about inflation to people, typical inflation that you see in markets, <clears throat> prices going up does not equal inflation, right? You could have a business, you could have two coffee shops, one coffee shop just decides to raise its prices. That's not inflation. That's somebody just raising prices. Yeah. Right. It's when entire sectors start to are forced to raise prices because cost of production goes up. Yeah. That's when you're starting to see inflation. And it's not that the prices are going up. It's how many core um, core assets or core um, goods you can purchase for a dollar. Yeah. Well, it's well. what I was thinking is like. Um, the supply so like there's more dollars fighting for the same thing so right or no yes that's the supply and demand issue that th these all tie in together yeah um yes that happens when you print a whole bunch of money right you have more supply but that means every individual dollar loses its purchasing power if mm -hmm. there's only a hundred dollar bills right mm -hmm. or a hundred dollar total i don't care if it's bills coinage whatever mm -hmm. if you have a hundred us dollars of the total supply that's all there exists mm -hmm. right for a penny you could probably buy a house <laughs> yeah because yeah. a penny the value of a penny yeah is so high yeah. right but if I double the supply of money, mm -hmm. if I make $200, that penny can now only purchase a half a house. Mm -hmm. So how much house you can buy for a penny has gone down. Yeah. That's inflation. Yeah. Versus in deflation, if I had $100 and I cut that in half and turned it into $50 and we just got rid of half of the dollars as it came through the banking system, they just burnt it. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, now you have deflation, which means now you can buy a house for a half a penny. Mm -hmm. Your purchasing power goes up, mm -hmm. which could also be problematic. Yeah. People are always scared and, um, you know, fight against inflation, but rapid deflation is also a problem. Yeah. Um, especially if you want to build up an economy. Yeah. So, I yeah, just, you got it. I just it. thought it was an interesting uh, thing to notice and yeah. point out. Yep. So at the end of the day with all of this, right, we're basically talking about value creation. And that is what tokenomics and economics is really about value creation. If uh, you're going to create something out of thin air, which is what essentially 
most projects are doing in the crypto space. They're creating something out of thin air. Um, what drives that value, right? Now, a lot of uh, crypto detractors would say, like, call that intrinsic value. I'm not a big believer in intrinsic value. Mm -hmm. Like, it exists. I don't, like, think the... <laughs> Concept is made up. I just don't think it drives value because um, if you take somebody with gold, right, they're going to be like, well, gold has this intrinsic value. You can use it for computers or jewelry or whatever. Um, cool, but that's not like what drives it because let's say the end of the world happened, right? You take it to an extreme. Mm -hmm. Who cares about gold? You want water. Mm -hmm. You might want bullets. You might want a couple other things. Yeah. You can't sleep in gold. You can't eat gold. So yeah. sure, you can floss it, right? But yeah. you can't do anything else with it. So if intrinsic value mattered, water would be the most expensive, yeah, highly valued point. asset on the planet. It's not. Like yeah. you could go grab <laughs> yet. Yeah, yet. Yeah, water wars could be coming, yeah. but well, as that's of a today, whole other topic. Well, just think how much how much can you buy a gallon of water for? Yeah, actually, it's more than what it used to be. Well, yeah, <laughs> you got inflation. Yeah, but you're still paying like under two dollars. Yeah, like yeah, a dollar something. Right. How much would be a gallon of gas? Like three fifty. And a gallon of milk. Probably, two, I actually don't two, know. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, two or three dollars. You got those Bill Gates problems. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know how much common human things cost <laughs> well it's just like you need it so i don't really like whatever i got it doesn't matter how much it costs i gotta buy it right <laughs> um so right so intrinsic value holds little value in my opinion to most things it's not a good indicator mm -hmm. um it's just a good sales pitch if you're trying to sell something right yeah. um but you're still talking about value creation um and in crypto you have um you have value creation, but then you also have like value extraction, and this is one of the big areas where a blockchain-based system comes into play, because it eliminates value extractors in a lot of different sectors, right? Those needless middlemen, mm -hmm. you used to have to, you know, with Bitcoin, you had to, I want to send money to the other side of the planet, I got to use these financial rails. Yeah. I got to trust institutions. Now I can do it directly, right? Without yeah. those. So the value extractors in the middle, like MoneyGram, get cut out. But value creators, let's say like an exchange like Coinbase or Gemini or Kraken come along, um, they make the transfer of uh, like dollars to Bitcoin or Bitcoin to Ethereum, they make all of that frictionless for a basic user. Mm -hmm. They're adding value. So you have, we got rid of one middleman, but you got another middleman that's more useful, yeah. sort of taking their spot. Um, so you have this value creation and value extraction piece, right? Um, so when you're building a project, uh, a lot of that is going to be what is the utility. When you're looking at value creation, you're looking at like what is utility, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and in most projects that we see, you have a couple key points. You have and like utility meaning like why does somebody want this? Or like um, how are they going to use it? That's going to yeah. make them want it. Yeah, I think want is well, want could be right. You can build a speculative market. Um. So why do they want it? Um, but the real driver would be, why do they need it, mm -hmm, not mm -hmm, just want it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and there could be a few things. If you're doing, like, voting or governance-type situations, right, how does that utility sort of drive it? 
<clears throat> and what are the economics based around that? What are your, uh, if you're talking about access, so that could be like anything from when you hear about NFT projects that get you access using the NFT like as a ticket, mm -hmm. right? Um, and access could even be like with the fees. You have to pay a certain fee structure in this native token in order to access the system. Um, tokens can be used for security. Um, especially, I know there's a couple DeFi projects like Thorchain, which is like a decentralized, um, I think custody free. They don't ever take custody of it, but it allows you to do coin to coin transfers. I can transfer Ethereum from Monero, Monero for Bitcoin, all without needing a custodial middleman like Kraken, mm. right? It's all done through smart contracts and whatever. <clears throat> and they use their token, their tokenomic design. And none of this is a uh, vouch for any of these token systems yeah. that I'm, I'm mentioning. They may work. They may be garbage. Do your own research. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's one of the reasons they have their own token. Um, and sometimes it's speculation. Sometimes it's fundraising, right? Uh, the ICO boom, and I think that ICO boom still exists. It's just more cleverly um, shaded now. But a lot of tokens exist just to fundraise for the core developers. Mm -hmm. And so part of their tokenomic design is how do they do distribution? Right? How, many, how much is allocated towards my VC investors? How many are early investors? How many are is going to the development team mm -hmm. um, and whatnot versus how much is fair distribution? So would that be kind of like a scam-like coin? Mm -mm. Not necessarily. Um, it depends on what you're building. Mm. Now, yes, again, we're talking about crypto markets, so um, I think I'm one of the top crypto blockchain ecosystem believers on the planet. 99% of all of them are scams. So, yes, mm. a lot of them probably are scams, and that's not coming from a place of hate. It's just like mm -hmm. when you have no central authority, who stops the scammers? Yeah. So it's it's rampant for that. But... Um, there are legitimate projects that um, would still have these like VC raises or ICO raises or I don't think unfair distribution is the right word, but it's not totally equal permissionless distribution and it's still not being a scam. You, they're just fundraising, right? It's like, hey, I want to yeah. build this project. I want to build it utilizing um, aspects of censorship resistance or permissionlessness or transparency. Um, but I can't afford to just do it yeah. for five years, right? I was really naive when I first got into this space. Bitcoin was given to the world for free. And then he, Satoshi left. It was the most altruistic thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought, like, oh, that's how everything's got to be built. Mm -hmm. The whole system has to be altruistic. Like, yeah. nobody can, there's no, how do you benefit for a public good? Yeah. yeah, I was wrong, but because uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people yep. are building uh, very self-interest projects on it that are beneficial, can be beneficial to society, but um, they need to think about tokenomics. Um, so those are the key aspects, right? You're sort of looking at creating value, what's the utilization, um, and how is that going to be used? And more importantly, not just how it's going to be used, you have to be very contrary to yourself, almost like a security expert. You have to say, how is this going to get exploited? Right? 
if you're building a governance token, you want a DAO or some kind of a system that's run by the community. Um, well, okay, we got to issue some voting tokens because that's the only way you can vote if you have a voting token. All right, well, who gets the voting tokens? Who controls most of the vote? If a majority of the tokens are distributed to a handful of VCs and um, developers, what's my vote really do? Yeah. Right? Let's say you fair distribution it and the the developers and VCs have zero to less than 5% of the total supply and you issue 100% of the supply. Um, how are you going to overcome voter apathy? Which is just a problem off chain, right? Think of anytime anybody goes to vote, how many people vote mm -hmm. in elections they care about? Yeah. It's, you're still, you're lucky if you get 50% of the voting population to go vote on something they're passionate about. Yeah. Who's gonna vote on, like, yeah. hey, should we curb the emissions trail by half a percent year over year? Yeah. So, how does that economics fade into play, right? Um, same thing when you're talking about like uh, fees. A lot of places will talk about fee issuance and how they lower fees, but it's like, all right, well, what are fees around for the first place? Why do we have fees? And do cheap fees matter? We were just talking about at the top of the show, Bitcoin has some of the highest fees it's seen in maybe five years or so since like the 2017 bull run they're not that high but i haven't known this long of a sustained period it's been like this for maybe about a week or so where the fees are like four five six seven eight dollars aren't fees like the incentive to keep it moving like to keep the project going because it incentivizes the people who are like like the nodes that are checking everything or like people who are staking or Yep, fees, well, it depends on the project. This is why it's part of the economics of the system. So fees in Bitcoin is how you incentivize the miners. The miners are how you keep your time chain, this distributed chain, you have to have a single source of truth and who's verifying it. And how can you trust those verifiers? And that's what proof of work is all about. And how do you incentivize these people who are about to spend a bunch of energy and money on energy and hardware, how yeah. do you incentivize them? Right. Well, well, we'll give them a subsidy of some Bitcoin and then, but that's deflationary. That's going to go to zero one day. So how are they going to get paid after that? Yeah. You got to have enough fees to pay for them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why you have fees in something like Bitcoin versus Ethereum. You have some of those basic um, same tenants, except now Ethereum's proof of stake. Mm -hmm. um, there is no energy being burnt, as they'll advertise aptly. Right, they've reduced their mm -hmm. emissions 99 <laughs> point something percent compared to their proof of work system. Um, so why do you still have fees? Why do you still have high fees? Fees are high right now on um, Ethereum because one project, which tends to be the Ethereum trend, one project will raise all fees. Right now you got the, that uh, Pepe. <laughs> yeah. um, jacking up ethereum fees but why do you have fee why do you really have fees on ethereum because you're running smart contracts you're running computer code and if you've ever done any kind of programming you know one long wrong line can make a program run infinitely right because mm -hmm. it's just really these like there's these things in program called loops mm -hmm. so it's like hey if this then do that when this condition is met stop doing this and then it just keeps running. But what if you made that 
if this condition met, what if you write that wrong? The condition's yeah. never met. It just takes up computer resources. And for traditional programming, it just crashes your computer and you do a reboot. But on a world computer like Ethereum, <laughs> yeah. it can crash the entire network. And now you're building global finance on top of that. You can't have yeah. a system that just goes rogue. So you have these fees, that's what your gas is. It says, well, this is the computation you wanna do. How much are you willing to spend on this computation? Yeah. And when you run out of whatever, however much you're gonna spend, when you run out of your gas, the computation stops before it takes down the network, mm -hmm. right? So those are very two different models just right there and why you have fees. Um, so how you build your system around that is going to change entirely. You can't take the economics of Bitcoin and then go build some other layer one chain that's going to use computational power, mm -hmm. smart contract systems, and have the exact same um, economic policy because you're serving two different needs. It's like yeah. saying, uh, I want to go start a fast food business, so I'm going to go study this lawnscaping business to figure out how I should run the business. Yeah. Right? It doesn't make sense. Two different economic models. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's those are the, the base tenets of crypto economics. Right? Um, we, we still good? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm doing a really good job. <laughs> Ashley doesn't have any questions, or you were really a master at this already, and you should be teaching it. No, I mean, it's, there's like a lot, there's, there's kind of a lot, we're taking on a big subject here, it seems like, there's like a lot of moving parts, because it's like trying yeah. to tackle economics, like you're saying, and then also adding on like blockchain and other um, projects and mm -hmm. different co coins. I think the, the, the best way to think around this, though, is really bring it back to the basics, don't think about tokenomics. Think about very base economics. Mm -hmm. What makes an economy drive? What makes any kind of economic ecosystem drive? Whether you're, what are you building? If you're building a DeFi system, right? You want to build a decentralized exchange. Mm -hmm. What are the economics that drive that, and what do you need? And be honest about what you really are talking about. I think in in this space, a lot of um, definitely a lot of end users get lost in the sauce. Yeah, they have zero idea what's happening so they don't even know how to properly evaluate it they'll do what you do um or what you were saying is which is like i'm gonna go check out the market cap yeah and then divide that by the supply because that's how much the price of the coin's gonna be and then is that overvalued or undervalued i've yeah. done my homework but how do you know how do you know the um the supply issuance even makes sense mm -hmm. right um, I get on Bitcoiners a lot because the ones who focus on the 21 million cap, like that is, it's you want hard money in, this cap is what does it. That's not what does it. Like, it's like people who say uh, blockchain, not Bitcoin. Mm. Like blockchain has some magical property, right? It's literally a distributed database. Yeah. It has no magic properties. It's important for these systems to run. Mm -hmm. But it's not like, oh, no, that was the magic sauce. Yeah. Right? You know, uh, um, hubcaps on cars or transmission in a car. That's the magic yeah. behind uh, automotive motor vehicles. Yeah. It's like, no, not really. It's important. Mm -hmm. It's not the thing. Um, there was a point to all of this. Oh, the 21 million, yeah. <laughs> the 21 million cap. Uh, so, like, there's to tokens out there 
that are like, oh, no, no, you think Bitcoin's good with 21 million? Mm -hmm. We only have 5 million tokens. Yeah. So, boom. Better money, right? Oh, but there's, no. other, there's other factors to it. There know? are other factors to it. That's not, it can't be your economic base. But there, I've literally watched projects launch through their whole selling point was we have a stronger cap than Bitcoin. We're just like Bitcoin, but we have even a more limited supply. Mm. Therefore, we're more valuable. It's like that's not how the economics work, right? Um, for Bitcoin, it's just knowing the monetary policy that's unchanging. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have, to again, you have totally different systems. So in Ethereum, as an example, right, they have a very interesting economy, a tokenomic structure. We said earlier they have this infinite supply. They have to have an infinite supply because they're, um, A, they have more, more actual token utility than something like a Bitcoin. Bitcoin's utility is store of value and eventually, in some parts of the world now, even here in Detroit, because I use it like this, which is a means of exchange, right? Mm -hmm. I pay people in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but most people use it as a store of value. Where Ethereum, you know, it also can be considered money because people are transacting in Ethereum, but you also need Ethereum if you want to use Ethereum. There's nothing you're doing on Ethereum L1 where you're not paying for that in Ethereum because of the compu computation thing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. If I just want to send you Ethereum, that's very low computation, so I'm going to pay you the least amount of fees. But if I want to do something on a DeFi network, if I want to do use like Uniswap mm -hmm. and exchange some Ethereum for some link, right? I need to, that DeFi platform mm -hmm. is executing smart contracts. So that's I'm going to pay for a fee. I'm going to pay for a fee to send my ETH to this smart contract. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to pay for a fee for basically every execution that that DEX has to do in order to convert it to link, which could be like 15 different um, things. So I'm paying that fee 15 times. This is why my fee is all of a sudden 50 or $75, mm. you know, when the, when the network's clogged up. Um, sending you ETH could be like $5, but running the DEX could be like $55 because I had to do 10 times the execution so a definition for tokenomics could be just how you're creating value through your project yeah that's a piece of it um yeah how you're how you're creating value um how that value is sustained and then how do you um a thing with economics in general is there are always market things that happen in the market and nobody can predict Right. Mm -hmm. um, and no matter what you, any project you name fits it. Um, you know me, I always go back to Bitcoin, mm -hmm. even Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, pools, mining pools was not, a, not conceived when Satoshi first created Bitcoin. Everybody was a miner. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a concept of a mining pool. Mm -hmm. Right. That's something the markets just created. Yeah. Right. For more market efficiency stuff. So very sound economic design or tokenomic design would pre-think and include those types of things or at least be prepared for when those types of things happen, those mm -hmm. unforeseen, you plan for the unknown, plan for the unplanable. Yeah. Um, you have to do things like that. Um, Ethereum, um, and this is not unique to Ethereum, any 
smart contract platform that allows finance to happen. So it's very rare to see a lot of this on Bitcoin because it only does money. Mm -hmm. But anything that does smart contract mm -hmm. stuff, um, you have the whole um, maximum extractable value. Used to be mm -hmm. uh, minor extractable value, right? Mm -hmm. Which is just finding out how do you be the who is the who is the most sophisticated economic actor in any kind of arrangement. Mm -hmm. um, I want to do a basic trade on Uniswap again. I'm not very sophisticated, right? I'm pretty stone age with it, so I'm just like uh, trade this for that, go. Mm -hmm. um, but you could be way more sophisticated. You could see that, and so Memov is an area where you can come in mm -hmm. and sort of front run me, mm -hmm. pull out some value. Mm -hmm. uh, my cost may go up marginally, so I'm paying a little bit more, but that would have been wasted economic activity otherwise, yeah. right? It's almost like a flaring, right? I've, I'm a manufacturer. I got so much energy, I can't use it all. I'm going to flare it into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Well, people do that with economic decisions all the time. They flare value, and it's just wasted value. Oh, wow. So somebody comes along and sees that and finds a way to sort of collect it. But that was not thought of in Ethereum's-based design. And it wasn't even discovered until around, I think, 2018 is when you first started hearing even talks about MEV. And it didn't become a main thing people were really, really big on until, like, 2020. So the tokenomics got stronger in that instance because of that? Um, That's arguable. That's a debatable. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you noticed, people noticed the some market forces that weren't planned in the original economics. And then you have to start changing the economics of Ethereum mm -hmm. to, to best suit that new unforeseen thing. So some people, when it comes to like MEV, some people think that's the worst thing in the world and they want to find a design that eliminates the possibility for MEV. You have other people who are like, well, this is a... This is an unavoidable consequence of these types of economic environments. You can't get rid of MEV. How can yeah. we best manage it, front run the front runners? So at least everybody knows and is aware that it's there and can sort of add it into their base cost, right? Okay. So that's how you deal with it is all perception but or, or opinion. But, yeah, it, it can get complicated. Um, but most people don't even think this far ahead. So if you're designing a project, I just talk to people all the time, and they're like, ooh, I want to like start a DAO. Mm -hmm. It's like, cool, well, what's the DAO do? It does X, Y, Z. What it does is sort of irrelevant, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, well, how do people have a say? Oh, they use a token, and they just vote. All right, well, is it like how many tokens has a stronger vote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so whoever has the most money gets the most say. Well, no, 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 we're going to be fair. All right, well, how are you going to be fair? Yeah. Well, we'll airdrop the tokens. All right, but I can go onto a market and buy the tokens? Mm -hmm. Yep. So what's stopping somebody who's not even involved in the DAO from yeah. coming in and accumulating a high amount of the tokens and voting the way they want to vote mm -hmm. when it's convenient to them? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't think through a lot of those base, and that's just the base economic, right? Yeah. Um, so these are the things when people build, they have to start thinking about. And if you're going to be an active participant in one of the communities, if you're going to be an investor in any of these, that's why I say by you have to work backwards. You don't have access to the full thing, but this is what a real white paper mm -hmm. is supposed to talk about. Most white papers are marketing 
mm-hmm. brochures, mm-hmm. not really white papers. Um, if it if if you don't start seeing funny math that you can't understand, yeah, like is this is this a math equation or is this like a college <laughs> frat? I, I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. If you're not starting to see things like that and words that you probably don't understand unless you're an advanced cryptographer, it's not really a white paper. It's a marketing paper. Um, and if they can't find a real white paper, it's probably because there are no real tokenomics. It's really like we're going to talk about some stuff, but really we just want you to buy this token up front so we can take that money, yeah. give you tokens, yeah. um, and that money being maybe it's dollars and stable coins. It could be Ethereum. It could be Bitcoin. It could be whatever they want. Um that has real value uh, and well thought out, at least economics, because it has some kind of value. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're stuck holding the bag while they hopefully work on a project as a fundraiser. And this is why it's like you have the SEC and all of them step in on some yeah. of these projects. I'm not vouching here for the SEC <laughs> and Gangsta Gensler, but this is why they would step into a lot of these projects. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, part of me is like, okay, if you just call it fundraising, <laughs> could that be like a new, um, like a GoFundMe situation? We're like, okay, this token, or like, does it have to have like a solid reason for it to be there? Or like, could you be like, okay, I'm gonna start an Ashley token because I want to um, pay for X, Y, and Z, or like, you know, my dog needs this. That's and, exactly what people do. The, and this is why I, I f- fold more with the camp that says there's no such thing as tokenomics. Mm-hmm. There's just economics. Um, one of the one of the first projects that really caught my attention around all this was Acon Coin, Acon's <laughs> Coin, right? Yeah. Um, money that, for Africa. Is, right? Was it wasn't he using it like XLM or something like that? Or uh, he's been I don't. <laughs> Sorry. We won't get too deep. I don't remember. I, maybe. I don't know. Okay. The point is, like, from a project like that, and around the same time you had people, because the marijuana industry was starting to boom in the U.S., a lot more states were making it legal. So you're like, oh, we're going to make weed coin, right? <laughs> and then you had the the coin for dentists. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, let's, let's, let's step back for a second. Mm-hmm. I get the speculative hype because everybody wants to get rich as hell mm-hmm. overnight in very little effort with very little capital at risk. But if you agree there's some kind of sound money already out there in a in a, um, a permissionless, censorship-resistant manner, and at those times you were looking at either Bitcoin or ETH, a couple other exceptions like mm-hmm. Moneros and things like that, mm-hmm. um, but I'll just use those too big, right? You have Bitcoin and ETH. Some fundamental differences, but most people agreed in one of the other camps or a mixture, these have economic value. If they really have economic value, why do I need to create a whole nother token just for dentists? Yeah. Why can't they just use one of these? They're permissionless. They're permissionless. They're censorship resistant. They're, they're distributed. Yeah. Right? Why do I need a coin for black people? Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to help black America. It's like, well, yeah, we need help financially because we've been cut off of systems but at the same token why do i need my own special coin why can't i use just bitcoin maybe it's just like the marketing piece like they want to well but why do i need marketing pieces if you already have something else why do i need a marketing piece for something new yeah you could do um well people like to belong to something well you have um his name slipping my mind right now but uh 
he he wrote a book in like 2018, 2019, Bitcoin in Black America. Like this is mm. the money for this money. Good money is money for everybody. That's sort of the right. point. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make a coin for any specific subgroup. Right. I don't need a Bitcoin for this business. I don't need a Bitcoin for this ethnic group. I don't need a crypto for certain gender. Yeah. Like 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 this. Like so we have the USD and then there's stores like there's not like a Walmart dollar or like a right. Walgreens dollar. <laughs> right. Unless they want to capture you into a system and keep you in the system. Mm-hmm. Right. Walgreens does do, do this. Right. This is well, why you have the reward system. points. Yeah. Airlines do this. Why they have the reward. They want to capture you into their system and keep you there. Video games. They do it. They, they well, want to keep you in the that. system. Starbucks. Right. But that's about capturing and extracting away value that they otherwise wouldn't have. Starbucks isn't incentivized to team up with Dunkin' Donuts, Tim Hortons, well, and all these other the case, places and make a coffee coin. Well, then if that's the case, then that's probably the reasoning for starting a dentist coin or uh, a coin for black people or because they're looking to extract the value from that group of people. Exactly. So if now you're an investor talking about getting into this group when you're starting to think about the tokenomics, start to think about what does that really mean, mm-hmm. right? What is the real sustainable value of a token just for dentists? Uh, I guess whatever. There's not one. There's <laughs> I just say whatever one. coin's backing it. just sounds it, but... good if you're speculating on it. Yeah. But there's not one. There's not a good reason for 99 point at least 5% of these. Yeah, the hope of getting rich, I guess. It's <laughs> the hope of getting rich. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if that's what you want to, I'm not here to tell you how to spend your money. <laughs> if that's where you want to spend it on a sort of a lottery ticket or a penny stock in crypto, go for it. But realize that's what you're doing. Yeah, you're not really investing into the the next best thing the world's ever going to see. You know what I mean? Um, so those are those are some of those key aspects you have to sort of look at. And going backwards, looking at things like market cap. Um, we've talked about like the attributes of money before. The well, what is money? Right, that's the three point system. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have like the attributes of money too, like what makes good money, good money, right? And things like divisibility, um, acceptability, portability, resistance to counterfeiting, um, scarcity. There's like six of them. Um, those are all things you have to, if you're trying to make a value system in your economic system, mm-hmm. right, in your crypto economic system, do you fit all of those different areas? And if not, how are you counteracting to do that, right? Yeah. Um, counterfeiting, a lot of like L2s have to worry about the counterfeiting thing. This is why they're layer twos. They they depend on the security and the uh, sort of censorship resistance of that base layer they're on because they can't provide that 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 level of security. That is very interesting to me because it's like then why would like based off of kind of what we've said like why would you really invest in anything outside of like Bitcoin and Ethereum <laughs> other than because you want to get rich like but some of these mm-hmm. some of these things are I, like tackling real um, issues right like their their stated objective is to tackle real world issues the real question is is using this kind of blockchain technology the best way 
to tackle these real world issues. Mm -hmm. When Walmart got into using Hyperledger and building their own blockchain system for supply chain management, sounds good because at the end of the day, the pitch is, as a consumer, you want to know where your banana came from. Right. Now, you can go and get banana coin. This was a real thing. <laughs> oh, right? This is how you knew we were at the top in the 2017 bull run. You went to one of the biggest conferences, and there was literally like a banana, banana coin. coin. So you can count on banana coin yeah. or Walmart, which sort of can, has major influence. Mm -hmm. They can help you track it. But the real question is, how is a blockchain helping even a Walmart track the providence, providence of a banana? Because blockchains don't know anything about the real world. Mm -hmm. So how do I track a banana? I still am trusting every person who says, now it's, it was picked here. I got to trust a human. Mm -hmm. It went from here to here. I got to trust a human. Mm -hmm. Now, once it's on the chain, I see it was there, but how do I know what was put on the chain is real? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they try to solve real world problems, but the question always becomes, do you need a blockchain for that? Do you need yeah. crypto for that? Do you need a smart contract for that, or can you just use a database? Most of the times, you could just use a database. Do you need a blockchain? Do you need the same security and censorship-resistant model you need for your generational wealth um, um, accrual? Mm -hmm. Do you need that level of security for um, to support a local artist? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably not, right? So now saying we're going to have, you know, art NFTs on yeah. Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Can you do it? Sure. The technology, it's, it can be used for that. Mm -hmm. And, I'm, you know, I take the position, as long as you're not breaking the rules, go for it. Mm -hmm. But is it worth the value? You're literally taking one Satoshi, mm -hmm. and right now, I don't know, I'm not good at the backwards math, but one Satoshi, you're still talking about a fraction of a penny. So you're taking a fraction of a penny. Mm -hmm. It's like you gave me an actual penny, and <laughs> I put a picture on that penny, yeah. on top of the penny, yeah. and now that penny is worth $50,000. Now go sell this penny for $50,000. Mm -hmm. It's speculation all day. Is it worth doing that to a penny? Do I need to do that on sound money or can I just create art on some other kind of coinage mm -hmm. that isn't money and have it still have value but not need to tap into this huge value security system to do it versus well, if you're talking about real estate. So then why are people trying to do that? Cause just to like ride the Bitcoin name? Well, no, I wouldn't say it's just to ride a Bitcoin. It's got reasons. Most of it's speculation. Some people it's just because I can. Mm -hmm. um, what does Alfred say? Some people just want to see the world burn. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, but like free speech, right? That means I got to like speech I hate if I really want free speech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, if you want free money, I even got to like the money usage I hate mm -hmm. if I want mm -hmm. free usage money, mm -hmm. right? And if you want a world computer, you gotta, you have to do computing systems that you hate. Mm -hmm. Or you have to build it into the infrastructure. Um, economics, I think one of the last things I'll, I'll point out, a really clear case of bad economic thinking, tokenomic thinking, is with NFTs and artists. And one of the biggest things in the 
NFT space right now for artists is being able to pull recurring um, royalties. Mm -hmm. I make an NFT, I sell it to you for this base amount, then when you sell it, I get a cut every time you sell. Right. That is not baked into any, in any layer one or layer two protocol. That is literally a marketplace only rule, oh, wow. which means you don't have, it's not built in, you can't enforce it, it's unenforceable. Um, without rapidly centralizing and taking control of how your token, your NFT is distributed. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do that, why do you need an NFT in the first place again? Yeah. Just issue it on some kind of digital ledger thing and give out a token like a Starbucks coin or whatever that they've been doing for years. You yeah. don't need all of that if you're going to revert it. Not to mention it just doesn't make sense. The whole recurring artist thing. So it's like I feel Ford like something's really cut. clicking, but I'm like not sure what. But I All feel right. like I, <laughs> like so so basically, <laughs> like I feel the wheels turning. But <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so so essentially, like for a, a coin to have solid tokenomics or like reason to exist, the blockchain should be improving it. For, with like should it be improving its security as like the part of like the main purpose if i'm interpreting what you're saying yeah. correctly <laughs> um i would agree the an advantage of using some kind of peer-to-peer -peer decentralized system like a blockchain like mm -hmm. an ethereum mm -hmm. um is you have you can build a top um autonomous functionality into these chains mm -hmm. removing third parties censorship resistant permissionless transparent right um you can bake these economics into the protocol so with anything else with traditional banking with traditional real estate with traditional anything you got to trust these some kind of institution at some point mm -hmm. you can bake institutional trust into math and that way you're not you're not at the whims of whatever human is there anymore. It's a pre-agreed upon rule set that can't be changed without massive consensus. Mm -hmm. You can't change the rules halfway through like your insurance policy does. Right? It's mm -hmm. baked in. Yeah. And but it has to be baked in. That's the whole point of using these systems. If it's not baked in, then why are you you don't need the system. Yeah. Right. So, in like opinion, something like like a meme coin, like there's. Well, yeah, but it's just that it's a meme coin, like Dogecoin. The whole buy-in with Dogecoin, right? Yeah. It was meant to be a criticism of Bitcoin. Right. It's like Monopoly. So, like the tokenomics. Dogecoin is Monopoly. Monopoly was built to be a criticism oh, yeah. of how the economic yeah. U.S. economic capitalist system worked. Yeah. And then people was like, no, 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 this is how you live life. You play Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Buy as much as you can, accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. It's like, no, that's the opposite intent. Yeah. Dogecoin was the same thing. It was the opposite of intent. Bitcoin was meant to be sound money. Dogecoin was meant to be the opposite of that. Mm. And now people are buying it because it's sound money, because Elon said so. Yeah. They're not thinking through the economics. So like, so like the tokenomics on that like, don't make sense, basically. Well, no. Even though they are making... Dogecoin, yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, I'll let people go and, matter of fact, it's everybody's homework. <laughs> go look into, don't just look at the price, 
or the supply, go look into the issuance, how Dogecoin operates, mm -hmm. what it really does, mm -hmm. and then tell me about what, how Dogecoin hits the dollar and how that's beyond speculation, because anything can do anything on speculation, right? This is what tulip mania, this is what bubbles and all that is about. Okay. Beyond speculative, hoping to sell it to somebody else at a higher price, which mm -hmm. is the worst economic design <laughs> okay. for sustainable systems. What is the the purpose of Dogecoin as is? I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm not I don't yeah. get the answer, no. but you know, <laughs> that's everybody's homework. So, what is the purpose? What? Okay, mm -hmm. writing this down too, because I'm gonna do mm -hmm. my homework too. So <laughs> there it is. Um, and that in its scope, without going too deep into depth, well, well, I mean deeper into depth on all of it. Yeah, that is tokenomics. Now, pretty much every sentence we said could be its own hour-long show. Yeah, I think that's why my, my brain is, like, melting over here. Like, I feel, like, I'm telling you, like, there are things that are clicking, but, like, I'm not, there's just, there's so many more questions that are, it's just running on overload right now. Yeah, the, the I think if anybody has to walk away with one takeaway, it's that tokenomics doesn't exist, economics exists, right? And you have to be able to play by the rules of economics. The only thing that makes tokenomics different is how do you do economics in a without a central authority which is i'm not even gonna say this is like new but it's not popular it's never been a popular way to do it we always have societies throughout history have always converged to a central authority to do it mm -hmm. this system is how do you do it without a central authority those are the challenges and you got to think of things that have never been thought of. It's a field of study nobody thinks of, and maybe you're not a programmer, but you're really good at math, and you like doing economics, and you're like, well, how do I get involved? I don't, I'm not a programmer. Mm -hmm. We need people to figure this out and write books and do studies and do research. Here's a way in without having to code. So right. <laughs> there it is. What is um what is this? What are tokenomics and the economy of blockchains? Yeah, you broke my brain. There it is. We <laughs> broke all our brains. Um, so if you have questions around it, right? Um, this is a show we can dive deeper into. Yeah. So we, I think, speaking for both of us here, I think we'd love to hear yeah. um your thoughts on it. So hit us up on our social media, which we are where. Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, are we on Twitter? We are on Twitter. We're on Twitter. Yeah. I'm telling you, you broke my brain. I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> um, yep. So I don't find know what's happening right now? We're we're <laughs> the blockument on all those platforms. So hit us up there. Ask questions. Um, check out theblockument.com. You'll get. I have. Ooh, I don't even know if I can have enough free space for all the resources, but we'll have some resources <laughs> up. So if you go to theblockument.com, we'll have some things on tokenomics, economic design, um, on both general issue, issues plus basic uh, crypto blockchain-based issues. Um, plus you'll get links to where you can listen to the show, mm -hmm. Apple spotify pretty much anywhere you can hear in uh, yeah. a podcast the youtube uh don't forget to check out we have our exclusive block notes after show that'll be on youtube i have a feeling it's um, gonna be interesting soon. so yeah this could be interesting we want to get deeper in especially as i dive deep into my breakfast bourbons yeah um i think that's probably what's not helping my situation over here yeah <laughs> um so 
Check us out. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. The Blockument, theblockument.com. Yep. All right. Come for the riches. Stay for the revolution. All right. <laughs> Peace. Oh, boy. <laughs>